the title of my message today is that wise men, and you can add wise women in here too, is that wise men and wise women, we, are, they still, we still seek Jesus. If you want wisdom, if you want to make wise choices in your life, if you want to get outside of, of failure and outside of always having Murphy's Law ruin you, well, let's just choose to be wise. The scriptures say that wisdom is supreme. Did you get Proverbs? Wisdom is supreme. Therefore, at any cost, no matter what it costs you, get wisdom. And so I wanna look at I wanna look at the secret of these wise men. What did they do to gain wisdom? What did they do to get the favor of God. What made them so wise? Well, the secret is in what they brought. They brought three specific things. They brought some gold. That's pretty straightforward. Everybody knows what that's for. They brought frankincense and they brought myrrh. The secret is in there on how to be wise. It is said, and I've experienced it, it is said that if you truly want to get to know someone, you must travel with them. No. If you want to get to know somebody, you need to travel with them. If you want to know somebody's character and their resolve, what they're made of, their metal, then you need to live with them. Obviously, you can't live with everybody here. That wouldn't be appropriate. If you really want to get to know somebody, You do something hard with them. You do hard things with people. You go on a long trip or you're in confined spaces or you do a project that stretches you and pushes you beyond your limits. And then you get to really know what somebody is made of. You get to know that individual when you do hard things with someone. This journey that the Magi took Well, it wasn't easy. They went from Persia, modern-day Iran, all the way into the Holy Land. It's a long, treacherous journey filled with bandits and deserts and donkeys that bite. It's a long journey. And this isn't in the Bible, and neither are the names, but tradition tells us that, that, well, we we say that there was three wise men. We don't know the exact number. It could have been 100. It could have been 300. Um, But we say that there's three because there's three gifts. So tradition says that their names were Balthazar, Balthazar, Melkor, and Casper. Could you imagine these guys traveling for months on end just to get just following some star, some crazy adventure. I guarantee you, Casper, around the campfire late at night, he was sawing logs all night long. He was snoring uncontrollably. And Balthazar probably complained about everything. And you know Melkor was lazy. You know that he wasn't pulling his weight. And so this group of people, I'm assuming, they just got to know each other because they traveled together. They did something hard together. And when they finally reached Bethlehem, when they finally reached the manger, they continued to do hard things. They gave of themselves gold. And what scholars believe is that this gift of gold is what got them to Egypt. 
because, you know, times have not changed. It's expensive to travel. You guys know this, right? It's a, it, it costs a, a chunk of change to get on a plane and to go the distance. And so they needed that money. And so the gift of gold was actually, a, a, it was a practical gift that not only got them out of harm's way, that, that, that saved them, this practical, practical gift saved them. We also believe that it sustained them in, until Jesus was a young man. Probably until they came all the way back to Jerusalem and when he taught in the temple itself as a 12-year-old. Like that, that one gift most likely kept them going for that long. So there's a practical gift. But I guarantee you it was a hard gift to give. They gave the gift of frankincense. What in the world is that? Actually, I have some. Frankincense and myrrh. It's the the two mixed together. So they gave this gift of frankincense. And this this gift of frankincense, um, it it was a a resin from a bush. And then they would grind it up. And then they they would burn it in the incense holders. If some of you are Catholic, you know what those things look like. And they would bring him into the temple. And the burning of incense symbolized in a very powerful way it symbolized worship and prayer and it was a symbol of of prayers going up into heaven and god would receive these he would receive the burnt frankincense the the prayers and the worship he'd receive it as a sweet offering into his nostrils do you you want to know something about worship and prayer um sometimes it's hard Sometimes, you guys are all blessed because you made it here today, but sometimes it's hard to get up in the morning and go to church. Amen? Sometimes you want to because it's inspiring. You feel the presence of the, of the Lord. And sometimes, and I'll admit, and I'm the pastor, sometimes you just don't want to go. You want to be a bedside Baptist. You want to do church on TV. You want to do church online. It's just easier that way. Sometimes it's hard to come to church, and I get it. But there is a reason why one of the Ten Commandments is that we keep the Sabbath and we make it holy. And so this gift of frankincense, it symbolizes this rhythm of worship, this rhythm of prayer. You have to have it. You have to have the sacrifice in your life. I think it's also ironic that fellowship is also considered a sacrifice. Uh, fellowship, hanging out with people, maybe hanging out with people that you don't like. That's what church is all about, is loving people that you don't like. If we just loved people that we like, then, well, then we just wouldn't be church now, would we? It's learning how to love people that you don't like, that, are diff- that look different than you, that act differently than you, than, that... Um, think differently. We need to love like Jesus loves. Could you imagine if Jesus only loved people that looked like him and acted like him and made himself feel comfortable? Now, fellowship is a sacrifice. It's doing something hard. And then the last gift that they brought is the gift of myrrh. And this one, I know they're all important. 
But this one symbolizes the literal sacrifice, the literal death of a person or of a sacrifice. And what we believe or what we come to understand is the, that this gift of myrrh was presented to the baby Jesus for his future, for his future burial. Like it was going to anoint his body. I don't know if it ever did, but the point is, is that this is this is what they brought. They they brought Jesus, his they brought the brand new baby Jesus, who's completely oblivious to everything at this moment, but they brought his uh his funeral rites, his anointing oil for his body. Isn't that something? And so we know from the very beginning when the word of God was put together before they even wrote it down, when it was just oral tradition, we know that this concept of sacrifice is vital and it is key. And you need to listen to my next words very clearly. Like this is so important. You need to understand this. You need to get this. You cannot sacrifice or give enough gold or give enough rare and precious elements to get God to love you. You don't earn it. The sacrifice isn't to buy God's affection. Amen? You've got to get this. This is so important. This is the gospel message, the saving message of, of, of grace. This is why Jesus came on the cross. He came so that we could accept this free gift of salvation. And so you cannot sacrifice enough to get God to love you or to even get God to save you. That's not the point. So what is the point in this concept of sacrifice? Why did the wise men sacrifice so much? Why did they sacrifice their time? Why did they go on a hard trip? Why did they give up their gold? Why did they give up this precious material? Why do they put up with each other? Why do they do it? Why do they sacrifice so much? They did it because because God didn't need it. They did it because it was good for them. It was good for their souls. Did you know that God is calling you to do hard things for Jesus? Not because... Not because you've been bad. Not because you need to pay penance. Not because uh, you, did, you committed some sin in, in, you know, when you were in college or something like that and you need to pay for it. That's not why God's calling you to do hard things. God is, God's calling you to do hard things. He's calling you. He's calling you to sacrifice because it's good for you. Because... When you do a hard thing for the Lord, when you sacrifice to the Lord, it does not change God. It changes you. It changes your heart. It, it gets you into a place where you can truly appreciate what Jesus has done for you on the cross. Does that make sense? I only appreciate things that, I, that I've accomplished that have cost me something. Think about that. What do you truly appreciate in your life? What's the thing that you appreciate in your life? 
your home, your health, your, your relationships, uh, if you've had success in any of those areas, if, um, if you're really appreciative of your health, I guarantee you it's cost you something, right? It's cost you uh, uh, passing by the snack bar. It's cost you uh, some running around, blood, sweat, and tears. Like, if you want to be healthy, it's going to cost you. But guess what? You appreciate it, right? You appreciate that gift of health because you know it's cost something and you put a value upon it. Some of you have been able to buy your home and you and you appreciate your home and you've been and you do the upgrades and you decorate more than you decorated it when you had an apartment and you're investing in it and you appreciate it. Why? It's because it's cost you something and you're willing to invest into it. Some of you have very strong and healthy relationships. Why? Because you've, you've taken the time. You've taken the time to invest in the individual. Some of you have taken time to go to counseling. Some of you have taken the time to, to know what makes someone else laugh. You've taken the time to know how to support someone when life is less than simple. You've taken the time, and it, it's, it's, cost you, it's cost you something precious to you. It's cost you your own time. These are the things that we value in this world. And I know your hearts. I know you value Jesus. Can you do a hard thing for him? I'm not, I'm not telling you this. I'm not asking you this out to motivate you with guilt or shame or that God needs it. God doesn't need your sacrifice. You need your sacrifice. You need to, be, you need to become better. You need to become stronger. You need to become faster. You need to become wiser. So find something to sacrifice to Jesus. What, is, what do you need? To, in order to be a wise man and a wise woman, what is it that you need to sacrifice? What is it that you need to give up so that you can become more like Christ? The good news is, is that we've got grace involved, so it's going to look different from, every, from anyone. Some of us, we need to give that that gift of gold, that's pretty straightforward. Uh, some of you got some gold in your mouth. Let's just open your mouths up and we'll pry those things out and we'll be good. Um, but more importantly, some of us just simply need to sacrifice an attitude. Some of us just simply need to sacrifice a habit. Some of us simply need to sacrifice um, our right to be right, our will. Some of us just simply need to sacrifice you ready? Our independence. America is beautiful, it's great, but her problem at times is that it becomes all about me. Life, this is good. Life. Liberty, but freedom is also 
Uh, the one that's not is the pursuit of happiness. Uh, Jesus didn't come to make you happy. He came that you could live life and live it to the fullest. And that's why he calls us to do hard things. So we need to quit being soft Christians, and we need to do hard things. What hard thing can you do for Jesus in this season? Like, that's only that's between you and the Lord. I'm going to tell you what the benefit of it is, because, again, it makes you a better person. It makes you a better Christian. It actually draws your affections towards him. Um, each and every year we do living nativity. It is a hard thing. You, you get to know people when you are with them hour upon hour and you're tired and you want to take a nap. Uh, praise be to Jesus. It's not raining on us this year. This has got to be the only year where it hasn't been frigid cold and raining on us. But if you sacrifice in that context where you're sacrificing with God's people, I don't understand it, but I witnessed it this morning. And the joy of the Lord begins to bubble up with inside of people. They've put away their differences. They put away their, their anxieties. They put away their, their tensions with others. They, 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 they give extra grace where grace is required. And then the joy of the Lord seeps in, and you come to the realization that we have done something hard together. And when you've done something hard together, that blesses you richly. Of course, Jesus takes pleasure in that. Um, the only reason why it makes Jesus happy is because doing hard things and seeing God's presence in the midst of hard things builds our faith. You do things together, it builds your faith. Do you know how you make God happy? Faith. It's not working more. It's not giving more. When he sees the refining fire with inside of us and our faith begins to rise because we've done hard things, we've seen God come through. When he sees us, when he sees our faith muscles stretch and get stronger and get better, that's the only thing that makes God happy. Um, we, we've obviously, we, we've worked a lot, physically and emotionally and spiritually. We've done a lot of heavy lifting. Hmm? Does that make God happy? What is the work of God? It's John 6. What is the work of God? The work of God... Um, is not erecting sets. It is not teaching Sunday school. It's not feeding at the food bank. And it's not even giving all of the gifts. That's not the work of God. The work of God is actually much harder than any of the physical labor that you could possibly do. The work of God, Jesus tells us, is just simply to believe. That's the hardest thing that we could possibly do in our, in our walk with the Lord is to believe this stuff. I, I have to believe it every day. I got to wake up in the morning and, and read the book. And it's like, oh, my. Okay, Lord, I believe. I don't necessarily like that verse. But it doesn't matter what I like or dislike. This is the word of God, and it's true. And therefore, I choose to believe. It's hard work. I believe that I will that I'll be faithful to 
you know, maybe these secrets that the wise men had of, 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 of living a life of sacrifice. I, I believe that that's a good secret to, to, to go after. The grace of God understands exactly where you are at. The grace of God knows exactly what you need and how you can become more Christ-like. What the Bible does tell us is that it is more Blessed to give than it is to receive. The new order of doing things is to make us become givers of ourselves. More blessed to give than it is to receive. And this one was also a very unpopular verse. Is that we are required to pick up our cross and bear our own cross. What does that mean? I believe that's kind of what I just started with. It means that God's calling us to do hard things. Now, if you are presented with a magized journey, like God wants you to go on a trip, it's going to be hard, and you have to go with people that you don't like, do not deceive yourselves. Just because it's hard does not mean that it's from the devil. Yeah? All right. Uh, we, have this, we have this self-deception, this quasi-spiritual warfare that says whenever something is hard, it must be spiritual warfare and from the devil. The, the, the Lord will allow hard things in our lives to strengthen us and to sharpen us. So just because you have a hard situation doesn't mean that you need to blame it on the devil. It means you should probably lean into it and see how God can make you better and stronger. If God has called you to teach Sunday school, it will be an incredible blessing. These kids are going to shower love upon you. You are going to be so fulfilled and rewarded. Everything will go as planned. They will absolutely love and adore you. The first five minutes. And then it gets hard. And then it gets brutal. And kids start biting and screaming and running away. And then you get these thoughts inside of your head that, I'm under spiritual warfare. God is, I feel that God is not calling me to this. And we change our minds just like that when things get hard. That's not the way, my, fu- my friends. If things get hard, you lean into the hardness and you, may, you, allow, you allow God to sharpen you and make it harder. Amen? All right, I think I'm done preaching. <laughs> Everybody's going to get really, really tan if I keep going. Larry, come on up. All right, so again, the three little secrets. Gold, that one's straightforward. I don't need to tell you about that. Frankincense. You have to sacrifice your worship and your prayer. It's got to be a routine thing. It needs to be a habit. It needs to be a sacrifice. If your worship is not a sacrifice, listen to me. If your worship is not a sacrifice, 
then you're just being entertained by Christian music. We need to get out of Christian entertainment syndrome. And we need to get into worshiping God with prayers, with worship, with fire that reaches up into the heavens. It is our worship is for him. It is not for us. So we're going to cast down those thoughts that say, well, I just really wasn't moved by worship today. Well, if you weren't moved by worship today, the Lord probably wasn't moved by your worship. And then, so that's what we're doing right now. We're, we're, we're doing the frankincense. But then there's the myrrh. This, my friends, is the myrrh. This is the anointing oil that prepared Jesus' body for the forgiveness of our sins. This is what changed the rules altogether and moved us out of a rule-based faith into a grace-based faith. Jesus is so good. He is so caring. There's nothing that you can do to earn his love. There's nothing that you can do to change his affections towards you. He's given us this very simple and clean gift that makes us more like him. This is the body of Christ. This is that pure and spotless lamb, that that infant, if you will, day that Jesus was born he was pure and spotless completely innocent just think about the baby in the manger how innocent he was 33 years later as he was being nailed on the cross he was still as pure and innocent than the day that he was born That's a powerful God that we serve. You need the body of Christ, that purity of who he is inside of us, transforming us, providing for us everything that we need to make us stronger, to make us better, to make us sharper, to make us more able to sacrifice more for him. Receive the body of Christ. At Granite Creek, we obviously love the living nativity. We love this story. And we remember it well. But Jesus didn't ask us to remember his birth. He asked us to remember his death. And on the day that he was betrayed, they took bread and they broke it. They passed the cup. And Jesus said, This is the new covenant which I offer to you. You drink this in remembrance of me. All of our past sins have now been washed away. Your gifts aren't good enough to atone for your sins. But this cup is. This is good drink. And this is the ultimate gift that was given 
for the forgiveness of your sins. So, my friends, receive the blood of Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. So now may the Lord bless you richly and keep you. May he cause his face to shine upon you. May he turn towards you in your darkest moments, in your times of need. May he fill your home with peace this season. Go with the blessing of the Lord. God bless you guys, and we'll see you next time. Merry Christmas.